0: Hey, guys, thanks for listening. This is your host, Jason Coral. with Whatsoever is True. We're going to jump right into it because I know that you're busy. I know you have things to do, but I also know, if you listen to this podcast, that you fervently believe that biblical truth is, is essential to the good life. So let's jump right into it. How can we share Jesus Christ and the gospel with any leftist, atheist? And I'm, I'm assuming that all leftists are atheists today. Because of, because of the way things are going and the, the avowed beliefs, the core fundamentals of leftism are foundationally atheistic. So I'm not just throwing that out there willy-nilly. So how do we do that? Okay, here's the thing to remember. If, you, if you're keeping score, here we go. Everything that the leftist atheist says is going to be arbitrary insofar as they're talking about moral law and so forth. Everything's arbitrary. They have no solid foundation in their own worldview for it. They are the most avowed moral relativists who are always moralizing. They're always telling you what's right and wrong. They're always telling you, what well, Donald Trump's hateful, he's racist, it's awful, love Trump's hate, lies are terrible. Those are all moral proclamations based on a moral code they can't account for. And the easiest thing to do is draw their attention to it. So as a Christian, I, can, I know that lying is wrong. As a Christian, I know that, that hatred of, of, of someone, of my neighbor, is wrong because God tells me so. And right and wrong come forth out of, uh, out of the scripture. And what is good and true and beautiful are forthcoming from God's very own character. How do you account for it in a purely you know, mechanical universe if you're an atheist? And then watch them. It will be rather comical. I don't mean to make fun of them, but just watch them because it will be it will be interesting because they've never considered this before. Because they've been in the act of suppressing the obvious. That's what is an atheist is doing. The Bible tells us that atheism is constantly suppressing the obvious. So, when you bring attention to it, it's very easy to run off on a and, and put out a brush fire. They say, Hey, uh, well, Trump said this, that, or the other thing. And you go over there and put that brush fire out. And then they go, and, and the Bible's inconsistent over here. And you go over there and put out that brush fire. And they're constantly setting brush fires. You don't want to cut these brush fires out. What you want to do is you want to hose them down with this question. By what standard? What standard are you applying to everything you're saying? You believe in moral relativism, which means that there's no objective morality. And yet, you're constantly in the act of of denouncing things as immoral and extolling other things as highly moral, in particular themselves and their own beliefs. It's arbitrary, absolutely, 100% arbitrary. Everything they say is based on a moral code that they never define. In fact, what they're doing is they're borrowing a Christian moral code and then attacking Christianity. And so you want to be savvy with that and you bring them around to it to go. See, what you're doing is, it's Romans 2, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. You're showing that the God's moral code is written on your heart. And you're always in the process of accusing others and excusing yourself. That's right there in scripture. And it's happening all the time. The Bible also talks about the seared conscience, right, that Romans one thirty-two. Not only do they know that God's righteous decree that those who do these things, evil things, gossip, slander, promiscuity, so forth and so on. Not only are atheists aware of God's righteous decree that those who do these things deserve judgment, but they do them. And then they give approval to those who practice these things. That's the seared conscience. And that's what we're getting in America right now, which is how you know America is being judged. God's giving us over to the horrible consequences of our horrible ideas. And then there is a self-righteous conscience, which is constantly accusing others and excusing ourselves. And again, that's Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Now, that, that self-righteous conscience is w- once again, always in the, pros- always in the, in the process of, of looking at the world and saying, that's right and that's wrong but mainly other people are wrong. I'm right and I know I'm right. And they're applying an arbitrary standard of what we all know it's wrong, right? That's what they do. So you wanna watch for that and you you wanna understand something about atheism that atheists don't understand about themselves because they're completely impervious to it. It's literally like a Neo moment in the matrix where they're looking at God's moral universe and and judging things according to standards of morality and immorality, right and wrong, good and evil. But they refuse to acknowledge the existence of those categories. It is a fascinating thing going on right before you. The only way to account for it is sin. It's the only way to account for it. Which is why, incidentally, The Matrix is an interesting movie. Because it has that interesting biblical overtone to it. In, in, and biblical names of the characters. But... In this case, once again, I want to bring your attention to the arbitrariness of everything that the atheist leftist will say. So instead of getting into an argument and defending a, a political point, you want to bring it back around to scripture and bring it back around to the fact that this person is professing to know right and wrong without reference to God and in contradiction to their stated fundamentals, which is that there are no absolutes. Now, if they say, well, everybody knows there are some absolutes. They say, well, how do we know that? Where are they? Right? I can show you my elbow. I can show you my iPhone. Where are right and wrong? See, they, then they retreat into a, a state where they're trying to cover the track, so they're going to set these brush fires. And once again, don't go out to set out the brush fires. Stay on track. The, thing, the second thing, once you get and understand the arbitrariness of what they're saying, is there is an unargued philosophical bias underneath everything the non-believer says now this is also something interesting because you'll catch yourself doing this as well because remember we're still alive in a sinful world and we've been saved out of sin and unfortunately many of those sin patterns are still in our lives so this will also help the christian become more sanctified in their thinking they want to be more sanctified be sanctified in your thinking renew your mind um so the unargued philosophical bias is, is the other key to understanding the arbitrariness of what they're saying. For example, when they tell you, well, it's wrong to be intolerant of, of X, let's say transgenderism. <clears throat> you say, well, you're using categories of right and wrong again, um, but you're an atheist. And we say, well, yeah, you don't have to believe in God to believe in right and wrong. And actually you do. How would you believe in right and wrong? What, so ask them, and this is critical. Ask, literally ask them, instead of getting on the defensive, ask them, how do you account for the existence of right and wrong as moral categories that have authority over people? And, and just wait and stay on the subject. Don't let them go. Don't give them the great exemption. Uh, Dr. F- the late Dr. Greg Bonson would speak of this quite a bit. He's a wonderful Christian evangelist apologist and and this methodology he put forth was a Vantilian. we call it presuppositionalism and you'll see it all the time in atheists and everything they say they are constantly making moral proclamations arbitrarily based on an unargued philosophical premise you want to bring their attention to that and when you do that you clearly this is where you come uh, the gospel comes in. You point out to them that they're suppressing the obvious. God's truth is written on their heart, and they're suppressing it because they don't want God to be God. They want to be God. And then tell them that that is sin. That's pride. That's the pride. People think Christians are saying sin is sexual sin, or or cursing, or saying, uh, using the Lord's name in vain, or you know, not going to church on Sunday. Now those things are what they are. But the root of sin is pride of man going. I can think about life without reference to God. I can live without God. That's pride. Everything else starts flowing from that. So you bring them around to that and tell them that's the that's the that's the original sin, and therefore you need to repent of that. And of course, then you can present Jesus Christ. And if you do this, you're going to. You may not get, and I doubt you will. I I really have. I've really had people converted right then on the spot. But it has been something that, his if the Holy Spirit's there for them, has really made a massive dent, or at least maybe even punctured a hole in the facade of human reasoning that they have been living with for all of our years. And it's very hard for them to understand it right away. It is extraordinarily difficult. So you want to be s- slow with it. You want to be exact with it. You want to minister to them with it. You don't want to beat them over the head. You're not trying to win an argument, bang, 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 and use the bat. What you're trying to do is alert the unbeliever to the foolishness and the impossibility of what they're saying. Once again, the atheist is saying, the leftists say, is that there are no moral absolutes. But we know that abortion is, is, is morally good because it's a woman's choice. It's a woman's right to do with her body what she wants. See the problem with that? See the tension? You can point this out. Now it moves to the third thing. You point out the tension of everything they say. Arbitrary, unargued philosophical bias. And then there's internal tension. You can can apply an internal critique to everything they say. So the arbitrariness is, well, by what standard? And then the second thing is, but wait a minute. You're arguing from a bias that you haven't proven. It's unargued. You haven't proven that there is a moral right to to call yourself a different gender. You, you haven't provided a moral source for how a woman has an absolute right to kill her baby. You know, they haven't done that. You haven't provided any moral foundation for anything that you're saying. That's why I say it's arbitrary. And the funny thing is, is they're gonna tell Christians that Christians are arrogant, but Christians are resting at the word of God, not their own word, insofar as we are resting in the word of God. And yet they are resting on their own estimation of reality. So if anyone would be arrogant, it would be the atheist leftist. But so you point that out. Let's say we go back to abortion. You say, so you're arguing for, for an absolute moral truth. And yet you believe in no absolute moral truths. But now you do. <clears throat> and, and I must agree with you or else I'm absolutely wrong. See the tension in that? That's what we call the dialectical tension or you know, the internal tension of everything they say. And then you can just bring them to the logical conclusion of what they said. So you believe that there's no more, there are no moral absolutes and that life is always changing. So if there are no moral absolutes and you say that a woman has a right to her body to, to be able to abort the baby that she had, right? Then you also have to respect my belief that I think it's completely wrong. So she shouldn't abort the baby. She should give it to me because you have to be tolerant of my belief. You can bring them to those levels of absurdity. You'll notice that nothing they say can be lived out. They have to borrow the Christian premise to make sense of anything they're doing. This is why the Lord says that they're suppressing the truth and that the fool says in his heart there is no God, because it's utterly foolish, utterly moral insanity, unbelief. And you can prove Christianity simply this way, the impossibility of being able to say anything sensible without Christianity as a a premise. Now, I know that that's that's an amazing thing to hear, but that is very, very true, and you can apply this in any field. The minute someone says anything, for example... You can apply these same, these same steps to, to critique what they said and bring them to the, to the Bible. Again, it's arbitrary. Somebody says, well, that's beautiful. Based on what standard? Why does beauty matter? Now, <clears throat> that's an easy way not to have a lot of friends. <laughs> if you're around people. <laughs> but I'm not telling you, you have to do that all the time. But I'm saying practice this. The same way you'd get up in the morning and go for a run because you're out of shape. You've been eating too many donuts. You've been sitting there watching TV too much. Get up and get some exercise. It's not going to be easy at first, but it will pay huge dividends. Start applying this process of the four points of arbitrariness, unargued philosophical bias, internal or dialectical tension, and finally, reduction to absurdity or show them the rational consequences of their ideas. Keep doing that and you will notice that you can bring anything someone says when they make a moral point Especially in politics, back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you can avoid getting off on a bunch of tangents because what they're going to do is get you going after brush fires. Meanwhile, they're already in, they're in the Christian philosophical fortress using our own ammo against us. And what happens a lot to Christians is that they end up playing defense when I ought to be playing offense. You know, the best defense is good offense, and the best offense is a vigorous counterattack because a counterattack subsumes and integrates the offense into the defense. This is a, this is a great point about martial arts and warfare, and it is extraordinarily efficient in this regard because the, the Lord isn't mocked. The Lord should never be in the dock. You shouldn't be questioning him. What we should be doing is questioning our own premises. It's extraordinarily arrogant for humanism, and this is just a case of leftism and atheism, it's just humanism, to make itself out to be the, the judge of God. And I want to say to you as Christians listen to this, you want to avoid doing that. You want to avoid, when, when we say, using the defense of the faith, that you should be out there worried about, what was I going to say? I mean, worried about what? Worried about maybe God being wrong? No, but them being right now, you want to attack their premises so you can live fearlessly. You do it in a, in a, in a ministering way. You do it in a, in a, in a hope that, 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 that your compassion for them, but your, 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 your ardent defense of the truth will, will sway them in the Lord and do pray for them. Now, obviously, no one has ever moved without the Holy Spirit. Do pray for that. But don't be afraid. Don't sit there and go, oh, man, I really hope that, you know, that Christianity isn't true. I guarantee you that it's true because you can't make sense of anything without it. So hopefully that makes sense. And and you can go back and re-listen to this. I'll repeat it one more time. If they say, you know, uh, you can't vote for Donald Trump because Donald Trump is is, is evil. By what standard? What is evil? Do you believe, again, now ask them to prove their bias. Right? What was their bias? It's their bias. Their bias is that there is good and evil and that Donald Trump is evil. So instead of getting into defending Donald Trump, you say, how do you account for good and evil? I thought you said you were an atheist and, and you don't believe in right and wrong. And all, now all of a sudden they're having to defend their position and they can't defend their position, which is why they're always attacking. But you got to remember they're attacking you with paper swords. So don't fear that paper sword. Right? Just let the lion loose of God's truth, and, and he will take care of that. The sword of the Spirit, this is a time we're offensive. We're, we're not offensive with weapons of war. We're not offensive with, with that. We are offensive with the word of the Lord. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And here, it will cut their arguments to shreds. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it will, it will destroy strongholds and the fortresses, the flimsy fortresses of the mind that the, that the, the humanist has erected. Okay, so I'll wrap this up. Again, thank you so much for listening. I hope this was edifying, and I will definitely catch you guys next time. And and, and hopefully and humbly and prayerfully, you can continue to grow and, and use, especially this this contentious time that we're in, as an opportunity to extol the virtues of the Lord Jesus Christ. Catch you next time.